My debit card got charged 472 times. So $27,090.76 fraudulent claim denied by Capital One. What do I do? I'm so embarrassed to even write this as someone has stole money from me and it seems that Capital One is going to let them get away with it. Back in January 1st, I took my son to get ice cream. When I went to pay, my card got declined. I didn't think anything of it, so I used another card. When I looked at my phone, I got a fraud text from Capital One, and I automatically hit yes to the charge as my card had just got declined, so I assumed that's what the text was for. A day goes by, and I get a feeling that I should check my accounts. I logged into my account and saw that there were 472 small charges in the amounts of 499 1499 1999 2999 4999 and 9999 from a company in Hong Kong called Miyoyo Limited totaling $27,090.76. Never heard of this company a day in my life. I immediately call Capital One and tell them what's happening. They tell me they can't do anything because the charges haven't cleared. Told me that I'd have to wait till the charges cleared in order to file a dispute, but they closed my card. 48 hours later, they finally cleared, so I call back and file a dispute. At this point, I'm thinking, no big deal, I'll get my money back because I didn't make these changes. Charges. A few days go by and nothing in my account. I get a little worried and call them only to have a gentleman tell me that my claim was denied as they didn't find any fraudulent charges and everything looks normal. Are you kidding me? 472 small transactions from a company I never used before looks normal to you. That's when the circus starts. They tell me that I can request the documents that they used in order to make their decision. I request those documents and then wait. They told me it should take 72 hours. Well, three weeks goes by and nothing. I called every day and they tell me each time that they sent it to my email address, but I received nothing. So I decided to reach out to the company in Hong Kong, Mihoyo Limited, who after some research find out that they are the people behind the popular game Genshin Impact. I received a response from them asking for the transaction's IP address so that they can research it. I called Capital One and they tell me that this is supposed to be sent with the email that will have the reason why they denied me. Long story short, three months later, after constant calling, I get the documents that were used. First, no IP address was listed, and secondly, the only data that they gave was my bank account with text that read, all transactions are confirmed. Guys, at this point, I'm devastated. This whole ordeal has put me in a bad place. What can I do to get my money back? 
please help. So the answer for this one is kind of complicated. So this is a pretty forked, as in, you know, when you get a fork to stab it into a steak, situation to be frank. The best thing to do would be to contact the company itself, which you've already done, and try to have an open communication with them or keep bringing this up to your card company. Like You really want to keep contacting them. You keep wanting to like annoy them. Like You want to annoy them. So potentially bringing in legal representation or better yet, just consult a local lawyer to see what your options are. Because this is a this is a kind of like a difficult situation because basically if it's a situation where you approved of this whole fraudulent purchase, it's going to be harder for you to actually dispute it. Now, that being said, depending on where the purchases were actually made, which hopefully eventually you end up finding that out, you end up discovering, oh, wait, well, I mean, if they're making these purchases from a phone in a whole different country, then you could probably use that to your advantage and be like, hey, there's no way possible that I would be over there when I'm working a day job over here every single day. So that could be something that you could potentially go after. So this amount of money is definitely worth the investment of a lawyer lawyer, or like pretty much just trying to go after this constantly. Because, you know, this is not a small amount of money. This is nearly $30,000 and you need to do everything that you can. You need to exhaust all the different avenues available to you, which again, you should contact a lawyer, potentially contact the police department, because this is a very serious amount of money and you need to really discover what happened. Now, this could also be a situation where potentially, you know, your kid might have taken your stuff without you knowing and ended up just buying a whole bunch of stuff. You don't know. That's why you need to figure out where the purchases were actually made. Like, where was the physical location that all these purchases were made? And what's even more disturbing about this whole situation is that these were all for like in-app purchases, right? Because if I'm pretty certain, Genshin Impact is a very popular MMO game. And so I think it's like a, probably a free game that you download and then you end up probably buying a whole bunch of stuff inside it like skins or some sort of different items, kind of like League of Legends where that's a free game. But you still have people who are spending like the prices of like almost brand new cars in a free game just for skins and like basically digital things that don't necessarily exist or not really backed by anything but people still spend their money for that so you definitely got to be pretty careful you definitely got to do everything you can to figure out what's truly going on behind this you can and should submit a complaint to https colon slashes www.consumerfinance.gov slash complaint slash and also to helpwithmybank.gov to basically file a uh, complaint against Capital One and then also the Genshin Impact because, you know, this is just a bad, bad situation. The only problem that I see with this, like the only way I could see this going really bad for you or anyone in this situation and like in a similar situation is if someone in their family or even a friend could be your own kid 
might have taken this information and just bought this stuff like crazy by accident or on purpose. You never know. And if that's the case, it's going to be hard for you to end up getting that money back because then they basically used your stuff. So like, are you going to go after your family member? Are you going to go after your friend? Are you going to go after your kid? Like if your kid ends up spending 30 grand in a game that they played that they don't want to admit to, but if that's actually what happened, are like, what are you going to do, right? You can't arrest your own kid, right? And technically what they did was legal because you gave them your phone, right? So it's going to be very hard for you to end up winning like some sort of legal battle in that situation. Either way, you need to find the cause, the true cause of all these purchases. You need to figure out, okay, did someone actually steal my information or is someone just buying stuff on my account, right? Like my kid or my husband or wife or all that kind of stuff, right? So just keep that in mind. This is a very sticky situation. It's a very bad situation, to be honest, because, I mean, this is a lot of money. Like, But you also got to think about it, too. This is most likely a situation, not necessarily a fraud, but more so of a situation where your kid is probably spending money on it. Because you got to think about it like this. Why would a gaming company care about getting your information so that you spend money with them, right? Like, would they really go through this whole process just to steal your information so that they could buy things for in-app purchases on their game? Like, it doesn't really make sense. It doesn't even make sense for, like, a hacker to end up doing that either. Because, like, what, they're going to spend all that money on, like, digital items that are only good within the game? That's the problem that I see with this because... All these purchases that almost nearly $30,000 are on items and like premium services for just this game. Like they can't be transferred anywhere else. So it's not like someone's, you know, hacking your account to go buy things to then transfer it to another thing to end up making money, right? Like I don't think Genshin Impact is that type of game. So I truly think that this might be more of a family member situation which would be far more disastrous for you financially because then if that's the case, you can't really do anything in that situation. But it can't hurt to uh, complain about it and all that, but definitely try to figure out where are those purchases truly coming from. And again, this is for anyone who's got any sort of like fraud situation. Figure out where the purchases are actually coming from and that could end up helping you out a lot because for example if this same thing happens but in a different situation where let's say there's potentially someone who stole your like debit card or your credit card information and they're like going all across the uh nearby state not even in your state but a nearby state you could pretty much prove that that is definitely not you because you've been in your location the whole time and you could even make like a you could probably just say like hey i'm going to make a purchase at this specific you know store right next to me so that you can verify that i'm literally here when i say that i'm here so it'd be physically impossible for me to end up going anywhere else right within that time frame so you could end up proving your location which in turn proves that you're okay so 
this is going to be a really sticky situation. I honestly think that a, a family member probably pretty much screwed you over. Even by accident, they probably screwed you over. Feel free to become a member. Support this personal finance commentary in the description. Check out 40inbox.com to master money, personal finance lessons, personal finance courses. Contact us with your own personal finance question or story, and we'll probably turn it into a future episode. Stay tuned for more. Subscribe, like the video, and listen to it on the podcast, which is 40 in Box. I have $110,000 saved. I am going crazy. Financial advice needed. I am a 26-year-old male, single, car paid off, no loans, and no debt. I am pursuing a biz degree with a minor in info technology. I have around $110,000 in my savings. This doesn't include my emergency fund. Before the pandemic, I was receiving 2.5% interest on my savings, and now the percentage is pedestrian at best. 2.5% was okay, not great. I invested $1,000 this year in some crypto, and this is long-term. I need some input on where I can put my money so it can grow and compound, hopefully with minimal to no risk. I have heard of blue chips, ETFs, and others. Thanks for the help and suggestions in advance. It's nice to hear from others doing the work. So the answer, which is basically my opinion, just do something simple and basically simply like buying index funds that pretty much invest in the top companies in the stock market like SPY, VU, etc. Like you can pretty much look at all Vanguard's potential index funds and look at that. You can look at Kathy Wood's ARK Invest, which is more of like an interesting play, more so heavy tech based, which is uh, also very interesting as well. But the main thing to understand is like if you're trying to go for the least amount of risk, you got to look for investments that have a proven track record of 10 years plus of delivering pretty decent average returns, right? And what I've seen so far is pretty much look at things like SPY and VU, where you can pretty much look at it and basically like, okay, for over 10 plus years of this index fund, you can see that it's given like a roughly average annual return of, I don't know, like 8 to 12%, which isn't bad. Like if you just want to stick something in there that you want to have like immediate access to that has a high likelihood of growing over time and compounding because you could reinvest the dividends that you get from those index funds because I believe both of those end up producing some sort of dividend, which is like I think... 1.4% or 1.37%. Either way, that's a viable option, right? If you want to be pretty hands-off and just let that thing compound and grow over time without really ever touching it. Now, you could also perhaps look at a total stock market ETF, which is something 
pretty interesting as well. You can check out Vanguards as well. You can literally go to Robinhood, and anyone can go into Robinhood, like down below. You can sign up with Robinhood down below, potentially get a free stock as well, and go check out and see, okay, what are these similar index funds that trade the whole total stock market, right? And it usually ends up putting it, like if you go into Robinhood and just look at like a total stock market ETF, they'll end up pulling up different ones that are very similar to each other, and you could compare their annual returns over the past 10, 15, 5 years, right? So it's a very simple process. You could just literally just swipe and keep looking at it and swipe and keep looking at it, right? There's no rush into actually doing it, but just understand it's very easy to put your money into something pretty safe that has a track record of growing over time long term. Now, you can also diversify it as you feel given, you know, whatever time frame that you are in, like basically how you're feeling at that time in your life, right? There's no need to rush anything. You could put more money into like REITs index funds. You could put more money into like crypto ETFs that are starting to come out now. If you're getting more invested into cryptocurrency, you could, you know, put some yellow money into Doge, like a tiny amount, like a hundred bucks or something and see what happens to that. Like, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that. That's just more for like a fun thing. But you could also automatically invest into cryptocurrency like Bitcoin or uh, Ethereum automatically either every single day, every single week or every single month on an automated way so that you're basically dollar cost averaging into investing into cryptocurrency, which is a pretty hands-off way to do it in a very... Not really a risky thing because if you say like a certain amount like every week that you put into Bitcoin. Let's say like you want to put like $25 into Bitcoin every Monday. You can set that up, I believe, using Robinhood or even Coinbase, which you could join by uh, below in the description as well. And you can automatically invest into that however often you want whenever you want, and all that kind of stuff, right? Same thing with the index funds and the ETFs. You can do the same thing with Robinhood. So you have like $110,000 in savings, right? You don't necessarily have to drop all of it all at once. You can basically steadily grow your portfolio however you want it. You could tailor it, right? So you could put down like, you know, I'm going to put $1,000 or $2,000 every week into these specific index funds split up, right? So like $500 into SPY, $500 into VU, $500 into another thing, $500 into another thing every single week and just keep on that going automatically and then just cancel it whenever you feel like you want to cancel it. Or you could just take all of this into a pretty safe index fund that's proven its track record over time and basically just not really worry about it and be very hands-off and just see your account grow and pretty much double every seven or eight years, right? So you don't need to complicate this too much. Now, you can also put this as a, like, a very large down payment for a house or just pay a house or a condo outright and never really worry about your living situation. Now, the reason why I wanted to put this here as well is because a lot of people don't factor in the amount of freedom that you could end up having by securing a place to live forever, right? Obviously, you're going to have to pay some utilities and 
property taxes and all that kind of stuff, right? But if you're able to secure even like a small house, not like a tiny house, but like a small house that is in pretty good shape, doesn't need a lot of maintenance or anything like that, right? Not too much of land so that you don't have to maintain it all the time, right? Or like a condo that's really, really hands-off. You could pretty much have a pretty free life in the sense that you don't necessarily are tied down by necessarily anything. And what I mean by that is that you're not having to be worried about, oh, I need to make enough money to pay for a mortgage. I need to make enough money to pay for my rent. I need to make enough money to do something. Oh, I need to work in this specific area all the time so that I could, you know, take care of my household duties, right? But if you have a paid off property, one, you can sell it whenever you want to with a super quick and easy process. Two, you could just literally let that sit anywhere, just pay the utilities of it, and just go travel and never really care too much about it, especially if it's like a condo where it's very hands-off when it comes to the maintenance. So that's something to think about as well. It really depends on what you end up wanting out of life. Are you wanting freedom? Are you wanting your account to basically double, triple, quadruple over time using compound interest? Do you want to be super hands-off by just sticking all this into an index fund? Do you want this to be hands-off but in the sense that you have a secured place that you can come back to whenever you want to and have a place that you can live and put down your head and never worry about anything at all? It all depends on what you are wanting out of life and what you are wanting out of your future. Because a lot of thing a lot of things that people forget is that personal finance is personal. So what you want out of life is going to be different than what other people want out of life. So just keep that in mind and really like just get down like a piece of paper, like one single piece of paper and write down where do you want your life to be like or what do you want your life to be like in like a five to ten year time frame and invest according to that, right? Like if you want to be completely debt-free, have all of your degrees paid off and all that kind of stuff, it might be better to just keep this all in savings and make sure that you get all of your qualifications, all the things that you want to study done, paid for, and never worry about any of that at all, period, right? And not ever end up having to stress about anything. Or if you want to just grow and double your potential account, you could just do that into an index fund, or if you want a place that you could call your own and also have the freedom and never really worrying about it, then you could always just buy a property. So just keep that in mind. Personal finance is personal and you need to invest depending on how you want to do it. And again, there's no rush for this. Just do this in a way that makes the most sense for what you want out of life.